We're talking about how do you measure creativity, but it's really this idea of data-driven creativity. How do we get to it before it goes out into the real world? How do we have data on stuff that we know it's going to work or it's going to do well? Welcome to Real Creative Leadership, a place where creative leaders can find insights and practical guidance on the day-to-day job of being a creative leader. We focus on real issues, topics, and insights of creativity in the business world. Join me as we explore the best strategies for developing your team, getting others to embrace your vision, and generating amazing experiences. This webinar series is produced by The Stoke Group, and I'm your host, Adam Morgan, Adobe Executive Creative Director and author of Sorry Spock, Emotions Drive Business. And this is Real Creative Leadership. Hello and welcome to Real Creative Leadership. Today I do not have a guest uh, appearance on the show today. Instead, we're going to do a solo episode where I get to dig deeper into a specific topic. And today's topic is how do you measure creative ideas? So this is a really interesting one and I get this question pretty often when I'm out talking with groups, which is, okay, great, we believe in creativity, we believe it's important. Um, And you know, normally later on in the process of most businesses, there are ways to measure how creative is doing, right? Like we can open, we can measure metrics on opens or signups or content that has, you know, form factor, forms you have to fill out, or we can, you know, follow AQLs or TAMs or MQLs, whatever you do to follow your content along your pipeline. We can always do that when it's in, when it's in uh, market. So we have plenty of ways to see how people are connecting. But what we don't know is before something goes out in the world, how do we know if it's good? How do we know if it's right? Um, we can kind of you know, up until now, most people just kind of use their gut of like, oh, this feels like a good campaign or a good creative idea. But there are so many out there in today's business that just don't trust kind of the gut and hoping that it's going to be all right. They want a little more data on it. So really, we're talking about how do you measure creativity, but it's really this idea of data-driven creativity. How do we get to it before it goes out into the real world? How do we know you know, how do we have data on stuff that, uh, that we know it's going to work or it's going to do well. So that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. So let's talk about how we actually measure creativity today. There are four big categories I'm going to talk about. First is focus groups, online surveys is number two, and then we do expert interviews and finally user testing. And of those four methods, the interesting thing, and I've seen this my whole career since the mid nineties, you know, it's like, okay, we've got these ideas. We got to go out and test. We got to go out and find out. So what are the, these ways that we're testing, like focus groups and online surveys? When you really stop and think about it, what you're measuring is a creative idea in a very uncreative uh, format. For example, for a focus group, when you put people in a room and you pay, you pay them 50 bucks to give us their, your, their opinion on whatever your creative idea is, they are not in a normal, natural state of mind. They're in a state of mind where they're like, they pay me 50 bucks, I gotta be very logical, and I got to solve their problems and think about this in a way that helps the client. And they're not thinking about themselves or how they feel or what their experience is. They're getting jumbled up with all the other things that are going on. And, especially, and the same thing is true with online surveys. Even though it sounds like, oh, it's in the quiet of their own personal time, they can decide. But it's almost like a, a school test. It's really logic. You're, you're testing A, B, C, D, whatever it is. You're, you're asking them to logically respond to very emotional experiences. And that's, you know, even in an expert interview, like it really depends on, on the person doing the interview, if they can set them at ease and make them start to just um, it, kind of share their experience and their feelings, 
But even still, when you're doing user testing or, uh, you know, interviews, people are putting on that special, you know, I need to solve these problems hat. They're not just responding to stuff as if it were in the wild. So when you get results, you may get different results in the wild when people are actually reacting to your creative ideas or they're reacting to your campaigns. So there's a problem with that. And I won't go that much into more detail about that because there are plenty of books on why focus groups fail and online surveys are flawed and, you know, we're going to get into that. And the first big question we want to ask before we even get into all of it is going back to what I call the trade-off triangle. <clears throat> and the trade-off triangle is this idea that I've, I learned early on in my career and it's, it's held pretty true um, where it says, you know, there are three different things you're going to get out of the creative. You can either try and get it done fast, you can get it done cheap, or you can have quality. Um, and of those three options, you can't have all three. Every business thinks that they're going to get all three, but you just can't. So you're going to have to have trade-offs. Sometimes you can have two. You can either have it fast and some decent quality, or you can have it cheap and fast or good quality, and maybe you can get that from someone who will, who will give it to you at an affordable price. But the reality is you really should just pick one because that's what the focus should be. So <clears throat> the question is, before we measure, what is it that you want from your creative ideas or your creative team? Do you want just work that's fast and gets out in market quickly? Do you want it to be cheap and affordable? Is that your biggest um, thing that you're worried about and you're trying to get metrics for your company of like, okay, how do I prove that my my creative team is is affordable or I need to get more money so I can, you know, bring on another agency or do whatever else I need to do? Like, what is your mo primary motivation? I think you should start with that one. And because the reality is sometimes we let fast and cheap cloud our ideas. And the reality of what we're really trying to measure is, is this a quality idea? That's what I'm going to focus on for most all of this is how do we get to quality ideas, not necessarily how do we get them faster or cheaper. That's a completely different thing. And you just need to you know, understand that. And then as you're going into um, how you're valuating creative ideas that you're not clouding in those two other ideas. So to start, and the reason why, you know, when I talked about all those other different uh, measurement methods and why it's flawed is because at the heart of it, creativity is emotion. You know, customer experiences are really about emotional experiences. There's a great quote from Brian Solis where he talked about, you know, what is an experience in his book, The X. And what he said is an experience is an emotional connection to a moment. And I couldn't agree more because really, you know, as my job as a creative person for you know, two and a half decades, it's really been about how do I simplify ideas down to their emotional core and how do I connect emotionally with this audience? How do I empathize with this audience? How do I understand what they're going through in a very human way and then, you know, show them ideas or share ideas with them that are very emotional? That's really what it's all about. And if you think again about all the ways we are measuring, um, it really goes back to this whole idea of logic versus emotion. You know, most of our measurement systems are all around logic, multiple choice, survey, uh, quizzing people or, you know, interviewing them and asking them questions. And we're really logically trying that, that, to ask them to answer our, our questions. Now, there are some companies who are out there, you know, moving along and doing some great different things where they're trying to understand the two different systems of the brain and try and get out an emotional response. We had one great example at an Adobe Summit several years ago where um, Rana June and her company came and, you know, you'd hook someone up to this machine and show them an ad or show them some creative and they could measure exactly, you know, what's going on emotionally rather than people, you know, logically switching to their, you know, kind of like their, their conscious brain and, and responding answers. It just happened naturally. And there are some other really good um, strides that are happening. Like I know there are a couple companies and we'll leave it in, um, 
in the notes here of companies that are using the just your your Apple Watch and they're able to kind of measure uh, different you know heart rate and other things as people are experiencing uh, creative ads and ideas and they're able to give you uh, a good response as to how people are reacting to it emotionally so that those are strides in the right direction um, and I know there are other companies research companies like brain juicer or Millward Brown who are also trying to work on those that emotional system and try and get uh, research in th that hits on the emotions rather than always logic so there are good strides happening, uh, which, is, which is hopeful. <clears throat> and really, from my journey of understanding and thinking about these, you know, this whole logic and emotion, it was really you know, when I was working on my book you know, seven or eight years ago, of really understanding you know, the value of emotion in how people react to ideas versus the value of, of logic. And the problem is we're always trying to pit them against each other, where it's like, oh, no, this, this ad needs, you know, we're measuring by logic, therefore you know, it should be built by logic you know, and so an ad that just is more makes sense versus an ad that's emotional and then we can't measure the emotion. And, and so it's really convoluted and it's really, really hard. Um, but the truth is we need both. You, like you can't just have one over the other. So the more we make strides t toward understanding and measuring the emotional side of things, I think the better we'll finally get a good idea of how creative ideas are actually moving forward. Okay, but... Until then, what do we do? So I'm going to walk you through a couple examples of just some research or some other things that I've learned that can help us <clears throat> have some answers right now on, on how we can understand a little bit better of, of these emotions and be able to make good decisions based on that um, before we put something out in the world. So the first story I want to talk to you about is Paul Zak. So he is the father of neuroeconomics. And what neuroeconomics is, is it's basically the intersection of neuroscience and money, right? And so, you know, how do we understand what the brain is doing and how that affects uh, money? And there was a great story from Paul of where he was on a plane and he was watching Million Dollar Baby. And by the end of the movie, he was just crying his guts out. And at the end, he was like, if you would have asked me to give money towards that um, cause, I would have given you a ton of money. And that made him, th made him think of like, okay, so how do we get there? What are... What are some of the key indicators that were happening in this movie or the creative that got me to want to just give up a whole bunch of money? So he went back to his lab and he ended up um, figuring out that there are two key ingredients that are important that drive us to action. And those are an anomaly and emotion. So basically, if something's unique and different that makes us pay attention, and then if there's emotion present, that is where you know we actually care about it and either make decisions, burn in memories, do all sorts of things, but basically that's what leads us to action. So really critical that those two ingredients are super, super important. You need to have an anomaly and you need to have an emotion and therefore you will get action. The way he did is he, you know, in his lab, he could measure attention with, you know, things like quickened heartbeat or sweat from the endocrine glands in the skin. And then in motion, he ended up measuring the vagus nerve with electrocardiogram because that was tied to you know how much oxytocin was being released and so he could measure all that and get to an 82 percent accuracy on any piece of creative and find out if people were going to spend money right and that's really what we want at the end of the day but if we stop and say okay we can't every single time go to paul zach's lab and hook our customers up and and see you know how they react i mean i'm sure we could for some things if you've got the budget but most of us don't have the budget to test everything like that so at least we can try and take those learnings from his little formula, which is, is it an anomaly and is there emotion present? Those two things, then yes, you know, you have a good chance that people are going to pay you money. 
But if you go back and look at how we measure today, right, of focus groups and online surveys and all those things, we're not really able to figure out from those if there's an anomaly or if there's emotion um, because people aren't necessarily aware of it. That's what's been so hard around emotion is if we're not literally measuring emotion, how are they react to it by acting or reacting in a logical way? So that's what's been kind of the challenge. First step, just learn Paul Zak's uh, trick. What's his, what's his method, right? And I want to now talk about two other ways that I've been able to uh, measure creativity in ways that aren't just, you know, going to Paul's lab and, and trying to figure it out. So if you think about that, you know, that formula, you need emotion and you need an anomaly. And another way of thinking about creativity is just thinking of creativity as the scientific method. I mean, it's so funny that it's, we're talking about creativity, but it's going to be very like a scientific way of, of studying it, right? Because the scientific method is really about go out and test a thing. If it keeps repeating and it keeps happening, then that thing must be true. And so that's what we're going to do is like say, how do we know if these, these ads or these you know, campaigns are emotional and if they have anomalies? How do we know if that's there? And if they are there, then voila, you know, that it must be true. So this first idea of like just you know, data and creativity, how do, we, how do we get those together? So the easy first test is, all right, how do you know that you're building engaging content? The first thing you need to start with are audience insights. And that's where the logical half of this comes in. That's where you need to go out and discover what people care about, what they're thinking about, what matters to them. And that's really where you can use a lot of your behavioral um, measurement tools, right? Get some behavioral data where you can see like, okay, you can use some of those other tools of like on your website, on your, you know, in your user studies, whatever it may be, just to really find out what people care about. So don't have them measure the creative content, just figure out what they care about. And that's where you want to use logic. So that's where focus groups and interviews and all those things are really, really useful. Figure out what I call the human triggers, what they deep down are thinking about and caring about and, and what matters to them. Then next, go out and create a creative experience that matches with that. So once you know, like if, if a certain audience cares about this one thing, go out and explore what is something unique about that? What is something newsworthy? What is something different? What is something that's going to stand out? And then wrap it in emotion, in, in an idea that connects with that audience. And then finally, the way you measure it is just, does A plus B equal C, right? Do you have the triggers and do the, um, do the creative ideas uh, connect to those triggers? And if they do, then voila, then you know you're going to have some good success. And I know that's just a cheap and dirty uh, little way of thinking about it, but it's just good to like change your mindset and like that I don't have to go out and try and get from, you know, some random person on the street of them using their logic back to me, but I want to know first what they care about and then build the creative, but don't measure the creative in the, in the focus group. Instead, just make sure it connects with those emotional triggers. That's all I'm saying. All right, this next one I think is a little tighter on how you can get data-driven creativity. And this comes um, from a process at VaynerMedia. So I had a friend who worked there. He was their chief creative officer. And this was a, a system that they used to get real data on creativity before it goes out the door, right? Or at least a cheaper way before you invest in a big, huge campaign. And they used uh, this method, which, which is a lesson that we can learn from uh, TV pilots. So if we think about TV pilots, right? Every year we get a whole bunch of new shows that come out. And, you know, what they do is they create a pilot for each of these shows. You know, they'll go out and film an actual real life uh, piece of creative. And then they'll put them on uh, the stations, put them in market and see which ones are working. Right. 
And obviously the ones that do well, the, the people respond well to, they keep those and you know build more and more uh, episodes. And the ones that people didn't like, they'll stop, right? A good example of this, Seinfeld, right? Seinfeld did horrible in focus groups because people were just looking at it logically. They're like, what is this? This is nothing like what we're used to. This is so different. But when they actually built the pilot of Seinfeld and put it out into the world, suddenly people got it because they were in a, a natural environment in a real, you know, place of viewing it. It wasn't a, a, a forced or a, you know, an unnatural environment like a focus group. And they were able just to experience it and emotionally react to it. And then Seinfeld obviously did amazing. So that's the principle. What do we do then? How do we apply that to creative ideas? Well, here's the idea. Just like with pilots, what you need to do is, let's say you're about to build a big campaign. There's already a natural process where the creative team gets a brief and they go out and figure out a whole bunch of ideas, right? A whole bunch of stories. That's the first step. Build a whole bunch of little mini campaigns. Um, and maybe you build them in really cheap ways that you can get them out in the world because that's the trick is you want to, just like pilots, actually put it out into a real natural environment. Don't just go off and do a focus group. Don't spend you know, a ton and ton of money just studying and researching it in, in unnatural environments. <clears throat> but instead, go out and build like a little mini social campaign. Do some little social videos or some little social banners or whatever it may be. Social is a great place to test the scientific method. So you go out there and let's say you build four or five little mini campaigns, put them in the real world, and then just see how customers react, just like the TV pilots. And then collect data. Which ones are they clicking on? Which ones are they sharing? Which ones do they care about? Because it's a very cheap and fast way to just test that, right, without building out the huge big campaign and putting all the money into it. And then once you figure out which ones people are responding to, which of the campaigns are actually working, then put real money behind it. Now, I know that sounds kind of stupid. You're like, well, Adam, that's just like putting it out in the world. And it is isn't, and it isn't because it's really just a test, right? Most people are doing all this research before they even put anything into the world. They're just going out to a focus group and saying, hey, tell us if this is going to work or not. And then people are obviously going to give bad advice, just like the Seinfeld story. But if you just build little mini campaigns and a whole bunch of them and stick them out there in the world and they're cheap and fast and just let the creative team go crazy then you can actually get real data on all of those in the natural environment where people are and they'll tell you the absolute truth and they're going to give you an emotional reaction, not a logical reaction. So that's really a way of getting an emotional reaction to a brand new piece of creative. And then just go crazy. Then you start to put that in market, right? The way that works is it's really all about knowing the audience behaviors, like I said before, that little formula. Get your logical data to figure out what they care about. Make, make, make a whole bunch of stuff. Go out and test it in a cheap and fast way, and then whatever's working, make more of it. I mean, that's really like real data on the creative. It's the cheapest way to get real data on, on, on something you're about to put in the world and go all in on the best creative. I mean, that's really the easy answer, right? That's how, you should, that's how we should test uh, creative ideas. Make it real and then just test it quickly. And now I'm going to switch gears a little bit away from the work to more of the team. And another way that I've seen people measure creative or creative people um, is going back and saying, okay, the way that we can measure if something is successful is how much, let's go back to that trade-off triangle, right? Cheap, fast, or quality. And what they do is we, we go back and say, okay, let's just measure how efficient the team is. And that'll be a key indicator of whether our creative, is, creative team is working or not. And they'll, they'll go back and say, okay, let's have the creative team fill out timesheets and then we'll take those timesheets and that will indicate, you know, if, if the team is operating in an inefficient way. And again, if you go back to the trade-off triangle, the reason why that doesn't work is because you're measuring fast, you're measuring speed only and not quality. 
And so instantly from the, from the top, you're just setting yourself up to fail because you're just measuring the wrong thing. Instead of measuring the input of time, you should measure the output of the content. I know that's not necessarily about, you know, putting it out into the world, but it is like the step at the very beginning of make sure that you're setting your team up to succeed by not measuring, uh, you know, their time. And it, I have another article on Medium. If you want to really, we can dig deep into that in another way. But, uh, and I'll put a link to it in, in the show notes. But it really should be about, okay, let's measure the outputs. Let's measure what the, co- the content is, how much quality it is, and then, you know, how it's working by putting it out into this world. And the problem that a lot of times that happens with all about putting value on content in, uh, in today's society is that we start to put the wrong focus and we measure creative in the wrong way. We're measuring it by time, Again, like I said, how long it takes to make it or length, you know, how long the headline is or how fast it is to, you know, consume. We keep thinking that because we have limited um, focus from our audience, everything has to be built, be built really fast and quickly, right? It needs to be social. It needs to be, you know, short headlines and everything needs to be above the fold on a web page and everything, you know, people don't watch things over two minutes long. And so we need to stop focusing on those things, which are like the, the speed and the... And the um, time thing and focus on the quality aspect of that trade-off triangle and really think about experiences that are unique and that are special and emotionally charged. Again, go back to uh, Paul Zak's formula. Don't measure time, length, and speed. Instead, measure quality and focus on quality. And how do we know if it's quality? By checking to see if you know it's got emotion and, and anomalies, and that's easy enough to do. Or secondarily, put a bunch of pilots out in the world and see how it does. Now, one more quick thought that I thought was really cool in, in terms of, of attention and how we're measuring all this stuff is from Jay Kunso. So he had a great podcast and um, he gave us a lot of great content. I'm going to put a link to his, his show here in a minute. But he always talked about that when you're really wanting to measure the, the value of, of creative idea, the thing that you should be measuring is the community and the loyalty around it, Right. Which means, instead of just measuring that one content and then trying to put all the focus on just that little piece of content, in his world, he says, it's all about today holding attention, not getting attention. Maybe years ago, it was all about doing something bright and shiny and crazy and trying to get attention. But now he's like, the most important value you can put on your creative is, is it building a community and is it building loyalty? And you'll know that by how big your list is, how much people tune in and care, how much people are, are engaging. That's the stuff you should measure. So it's not even about the creative idea itself. If you're not getting the community, then change the creative idea and try new pilots. But that's the thing that you should focus on is building that community and loyalty. All right, so just some of the key takeaways. I know it felt like I was rambling on a lot of stuff today, but here's three key takeaways that you should have on as we're measuring creative ideas or creative teams, what, how, what should we do to, to go about doing that? Number one, anomaly and emotion. Remember Paul Zach's story. If you want to make great content, before you're even measuring it, make sure you start by creating the right stuff. Does it have an anomaly? Is it unique? And does it have emotion? If it has those two things, like you're 82% of the way there. Next, in order to get real data on your creative, um, because again, we're not measuring you know, end of su- uh, funnel sales. That's obviously the best measurement, but sometimes that's too late. If you want early on to figure out if creative is working, build a bunch of pilots, a volume ideas, put them in a real environment so that we're getting an emotional reaction to it and then measure the data on that uh, on those pilots. And the reason why that's so great, again, is because you could have the CEO of your company, your, you know, your CMO, they're just like, oh, we hate those ideas, those are terrible. But you're not necessarily the audience. Put them in the real world and see what your audience emotionally responds to, and then you'll know if you have a winning idea or not. 
Again, if we want to be data-driven about it, put your leadership's ideas aside and just go test a bunch of cheap stuff in social media and see how people react. Then you'll know if it's, if it's right. And then the last advice, or the last two, um, first, remember what Jay Kunso said, start measuring um, loyalty and communities rather than always just the creative. Put it on the outputs, which leads me to, if you want to measure the value of your creative team, measure their outputs, not their inputs. How many great pieces of video or how many web pages you like, think about the stuff they're creating and compare that apples to apples rather than how much time or how fast they're building it. All right, well, that's it uh, for today's session. I hope you uh, at least have a, a little bit of a better idea of at least a, a different way of thinking about how to measure um, ideas. As always, you can find us at realcreativeleadership.com or on our YouTube channel or on any of our podcast channels. We would love it if you could engage. Let us know of any topics that really matter to you. I'd love to know from this audience, you know, what, what struggles or problems or things you're trying to tackle with your creative teams, and then we can build some, some episodes around that and help give some guidance on it. We also want to throw a shout out to The Stoke Group, who helps produce the show. You can go to thestokegroup.com to learn more about them. They're a full-service agency that can help you build great content and help you measure in both a logical and an emotional way. Again, reach out to us, share, like, do whatever you need to, to um, help us grow this community. And again, I would love to build content that is valuable. I get a lot of feedback from many of you uh, of specific shows that have been super helpful, and I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you for reaching out and continue to do so. You can also find me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts on the show. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Real Creative Leadership. I'm your host, Adam Morgan. This series is produced by The Stoke Group, a full-service digital marketing agency that specializes in content marketing, video, and interactive experiences. If you're looking for a partner to build a strategy and content that delivers, visit thestokegroup.com and connect today. 